at the moment I am um, I'm pruning roses okay it's winter time here in New Zealand and uh, every winter it's time to prune the roses and actually I was just looking at my thumb this morning uh, you probably can't see it uh, or definitely can't hear it if you listen to the podcast but uh, I found a thorn I found a thorn in my finger despite having leather gloves on and all that stuff on it uh, I still got a thorn in my finger but uh, this winter is um, yeah this pruning season is a little bit different for me because um, the garden where I prune most of the roses is they've got it's got like 120 roses it's quite a big garden it's a beautiful country garden and um, it's been sold and um, so this most likely will be the last winter that I will uh, get to um, prune and snip and cut away at these um, beautiful old roses and um, as I'm doing that I, I feel a little bit of a uh, a sadness and a, a bit of grief um, this is Barry uh, from turning the page and just just want to thank you for listening or watching this uh, particular piece of content that I've got here um, it's another sadness that I probably won't be able to see the blooms next summer when they just come out and um, display all the beauty that they've got on them so there's like a, a heaviness in my heart as I'm, as I'm just going through this um, this husbandry of these uh, beautiful roses and I've, I've so enjoyed tending and caring for uh, not just the roses but the fruit trees and uh, <laughs> I get to enjoy some of the fruit uh, there's this large magnolia tree it's, it's just starting to come out now uh, camellias and just so much much more you know and when um, I took over looking after the gun it was quite it was in a quite a state of disrepair no one had really given a lot of focused attention on uh, caring for the trees and the plants and so on but with seven years of love and care and thoughtfulness it's really developed a new life and it's um, looking really good but part of me there's a fear that the new owners um, may not take care of both the soil and the soul of the garden but I'm a steward I'm a steward of this season and its life I'm just here for that brief moment to look after it and yeah you know, it's it's a relationship I have with the wood and the, the wind and the water uh, the sun the compost and the worms it's it's a relationship and so I'm, I'm grieving and um, I'm preparing for grief you know I have grief in me you know we all do we all carry uh, I think a certain amount of grief uh, I wonder how how do you sit with loss how do you how does it feel for you to carry um, some level of grief what if I were to say that there is a time for you to grieve to say this is the moment for you to feel the loss now that's can sound a bit mechanical a logical and sort of engineered it also sounds uh, quite defined like you only have between these times and after that it should be over and some people treat um, grief like that but grief doesn't work like that at all uh, it can sweep up on you and catch you unawares and and it can't and won't be controlled you know you try and control it and it will pop up somewhere else in some time else 
Richard Rawl says that all great spirituality is about what we do with our pain. If we do not transform our pain, we will transmit it to those around us. I believe um, we all need a place, a time, and a person that says it's okay to grieve. And in the wisdom book of Ecclesiastes, there is that there's this wonderful passage about a time too. And there's a, a, a verse there in verse 4 that says, to, it speaks to this kind of naturalness of both weeping and mourning. And it says that there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And what I see there is that weeping is as natural to life as laughter. Uh, mourning is as natural as dancing. It's normal, natural, to be expected. It's not to be avoided or diminished. Um, there is a time to feel the loss and that is okay. And that we needn't fear negative emotions. Um, if we were to dig a little deeper into the passage from Ecclesiastes, we see that the little Hebrew word used for time is F. Now, I've probably not pronounced that correctly in Hebrew, but it is a feminine noun. So there's a softness to this expression of time. There is a proper, suitable time for everything. It's the welcoming embrace for when the moment is right, for when that moment is right to be in the right place. It's not on a schedule or a timetable. That grief moment is not organised to arrive at this train scheduled time. <laughs> but more so, it's, it's a knowing that the season will come and go. You know, there is an official day when winter begins. You know, people say on the news, today winter has officially begun. But all of us know that winter starts when it starts. And it's a gradual thing and it comes and it goes you know sometimes it'll be a warm warm sunny day on, on a winter's day <laughs> when winter supposedly starts and spring also comes when it comes so we don't rush this process um if has a time of its own accord when, when i wrote this particular post um when i drafted it out there was this grandfather clock ticking away behind me and it's got this large pendulum uh, swinging inside it going back and forth back and forth and the arc of the, that ball swings from left to right it sort of helps to keep the clock ticking swinging in and out and I have noticed this about my grief load too that I swing in and out of it you know I've lost people to me um, and felt uh, the pendulum swings seemingly sit in that dark zone and then it swings away. You know, a memory comes and it swings me back, but maybe not so far, not so deep. And over time, the swings don't go so far in and not so severe. Um, I want to assure you there is no perpetual motion machine of grief. But I do wonder what keeps some people's grief pendulum swinging so deep for so long and I'm not sure but perhaps the answer is to be found in understanding of forgiveness of ourselves and, and others but how does one prepare for grief you know that's a strange question because I think we all 
to some degree carry a load of grief with us at all times you know those little losses the hurts uh, the job redundancies the deaths uh, the missed opportunities the failing health uh, the words we wanted to say but somehow some way we just couldn't um, the broken relationships I think we all carry something that at times can feel overwhelming so here are some guidelines I, I've pondered about uh, to prepare for grief I think it's important to number one is to be okay with not knowing what grief will look like see I really don't know what it'll be like uh, not to have this garden in my weekly life it's an unknown I can think about what I might be doing um, but I wonder what I will miss the most uh, what will get triggered in me when I think of the roses or the magnolia every August I'll think of that beautiful magnolia uh, well, I think of the thorns, you know, like this one I've got in my thumb, or the fragrance, uh, or maybe both. Um, there is an unknowing to much of life, and we have to sit in the mystery of wondering what will come next. The only thing I can be assured of is that I'll not be alone in it. You know, Jesus, in his grief load moment, he invited his friends into his garden of Gethsemane and uh, and they were there for him and so I'm I'm going to be okay with the pendulum swings because I'm not going to go into it alone number two is um, to prepare for your group is to keep the good memories alive so over the years I have taken photos of the garden different seasons bring different perspectives uh, so I've got pictures of the roses I've got pictures of all sorts of things of the garden and I'm going to put them into um, like a nice uh, little book so I can look at them whenever I like and it helps me to keep my focus on on good things so as I grieve I will celebrate the blessing and the gift of that time and place that both the fawns and the fragrance you see, I believe that where you focus, you will go. So I want to keep on focusing on, on that as a good time. Um, number three idea around about preparing for grief is forgiving the failings. Look, we live in a world where mistakes and bad choices happen. It's part of the tapestry of life. You know, I, know I try to live with a short accounts book. I don't want to be bookkeeping keep a holding tightly to a ledger of rights and wrongs so I try to forgive myself and others quickly and one of the little affirmations I I have each day is I'm discounting my mistakes before they discount me you see grief can so easily become like a whirl swirling whirlpool of regrets you know, a central vortex can appear that sucks you down away and away from reality. Forgiveness, um, as uh, one counsellor told me, is can begin by letting the little fish go. Okay, just letting the little things go. And as you learn to let the little things go, the bigger things can go too. And number four is about um, on how to prepare for grief is talking it out with someone safe so sharing the load sharing the loss being vulnerable and open about a, a particular memory moment 
um, something might get triggered and, and you just want to oh, I remember doing this I remember last August that this happened whatever and um, I remember those good times yeah that was good uh, see this is um, what I call an Emmaus walk which is a, a story from the Bible where two guys who were puzzling and they were having a lot of grief moments just after Jesus died and uh, Jesus sort of came alongside them and helped them, talked it out with them and so this is an Emmaus walk where we talk about the, the mystery of loss out with a friend um, and we don't want anyone to faz. Now what is faz? It's fix, advise, save or set one straight. We don't need that. We just need someone to actually listen and be there. Talk about the, the goods and the bads and just to, yeah, be there. We want someone to sit with us and invite the stories of both the, the thorns and the fragrance. <laughs> you see, we all have a suitcase of grief. And I wonder, is yours heavy or light? Perhaps as we learn to prepare for the pendulum swings, it will help with what we are carrying now. So some quotes for you to consider. Um, conversion, this is what Richard Raw says, conversion, which is forever refining the most intimate nature of our experience, is a long, long process. <laughs> it's a lifetime process. More a long road to Emmaus than a one-time road to Ma to Damascus and I'm like I've been thinking about that quote a lot this week and I think I've got to write a bit more about that one it's so good um, and it, Richard also says that when we fail we are merely joining the great parade of humanity that has walked ahead of us and will follow after us <laughs> it's so encouraging it's so endorsing that we yeah, we're part of a parade uh, Terence Real those who do those who, who do not turn to face their pain are more prone to impose it. Mm. And uh, Brené Brown, in cultivating compassion we draw from the wholeness of our experience, our suffering, our empathy, as well as our cruelty and terror. It has to be this way. Compassion is not a relationship between the healer and the wounded. It's a relationship between equals. Only when we know our own darkness well can we be present with the darkness of others. Compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. Love that. And uh, finally, a quote from Philip Yancey. And he says that redeemed pain, redeemed pain is more impressive to me than removed pain. Yeah. Some questions. Uh, how do you prepare for grief? What are the lessons it has to offer you? Uh, number two, it's a season, a time, a period, a pendulum swing. Which image, um, which image connects best with you when you consider loss? And number three, what are the qualities of a person that is safe for you to share your grief? Hey, um, thanks for watching, thanks for listening. And I just want to say a big thank you to those people who uh, support the podcast, the blog, the blog, everything else uh, via Patreon. Patreon is a great service where people can just join up and give a little bit each month, um, like at least a, a dollar a month, US dollar a month, and it just really helps um, me to keep this going as in um, putting the content out and helping 
thousands of people around the world. So a big shout out and a big thank you to those people who uh, support uh, this via Patreon. Hey, thanks very much and um, look forward to spending some time with you next week. Bye.